Welcome to the Fierce Authenticity Podcast, where we're having fiercely authentic conversations on life, love, leadership, and our personal and collective liberation. In a culture that benefits from our fear, suffering, and disconnection from source self and others, we're here to shift the narrative so that together we can create the world we want to live in. I'm your hostess, Sharani M. Pathak, and I'm excited for us to dive right in. Welcome back to the podcast. Before we dive into this episode, I want to give a brief pre-interview intro into this episode. You guys, this episode is amazing. There is so much healing magic and medicine in this episode with my dear friend Lisa Miron, and I'm excited for you to listen in, and I want to give you a little heads up. We are going to be digging into the dynamics between colonizer and colonized, oppressor and oppressed, and you know, ultimately victim and perpetrator. And there was a part in the episode where I started feeling myself being triggered by what Lisa was saying. And so if there's a part of you that starts to feel triggered by anything you might hear in this episode, then I am going to invite you to please hold your parts very gently and very tenderly and listen all the way through to the end. Because... Lisa and I are able to come to a point where she spoke to the part of me that was feeling triggered by the conversation. And then from there, all of the healing magic unfolded and it all came together so beautifully. So it's a powerful conversation. It's a very healing conversation. And just hold yourselves tenderly and with love and find your way to the end of the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to be back here today with you. And today I have a very special guest, my dear friend, Lisa Miron, who is an amazing family constellations practitioner and someone who I have learned so much from and whose work really helps me have a different perspective on things as well. So I'm going to give a brief introduction to Lisa and then we're going to dive right in. Lisa Miron's passion is to see people grow, develop, and connect to a higher level of awareness to enjoy life to the fullest. For the past 15 years, Lisa has been working with family constellations, EFT, NLP, meditation channeling, and Reiki. Uh, She has studied and lived in France, Singapore, Belgium, and Spain, and Italy and Guatemala has given Lisa a unique perspective on personal development. Lisa, thank you so much for being here on the podcast today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to be here today. Me too, especially after our last session together. You know, total disclaimer, I do work with Lisa on a personal level. And, you know, I have just, as I mentioned in the introduction, I've gotten so much from our work together. And what you shared in our last session about colonizer and colonized and the dynamics that go there was just so powerful that I knew, especially right now in election season, that 
our audience really needs to hear this perspective that you bring from all of your work and all of your training. So thank you so much for being here. And before we dig into that really big meaty topic, I'd love to introduce my listeners to you. And if you could share a little bit more about yourself and what Family Constellations is and what even brought you to this work. I think that would be a nice way to help our listeners understand even what we're talking about here. (laughs) Perfect. Sounds good. So, um, I mean, all my life, I have always been looking for things to, to learn, to grow, to develop, and to be able to connect more to life and to be able to enjoy more uh, of life itself. And um, I started doing a, a master in coaching. And one of the teachers said, you know, it doesn't matter how much you work with your clients, sometimes, no matter how many different techniques you use, they're still going to be stuck. And the reason why they're stuck is because they're carrying things from their ancestors. And you need to ask, you know, tell them if they're interested in doing a family constellations to heal this. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting for sure. And that's how I got into the family constellations. And for a very long time, I had been meditating. I had been looking at different kinds of techniques. I had been learning different aspects that could help people in general to do better in life. And for me, when I started learning about family constellations, it's like this you know, like when you get this arrow of love, that you just like oh, everything comes into place, everything makes mm. sense. And all the things that I had learned in the past, like came together, made sense. I found ways to explain things that before I didn't have the knowledge or the ways, but I knew that there was something. So I started learning as much as I could, because for me, it was like addictive. I each time wanted to know more and more and more until I decided, you know, I'm going to do the training because mm. I want to know everything I can. And I never did it because I wanted to be do, uh, be a facilitator as I am today, but because I just wanted to learn as much as I could. Mm. And I've seen how it has transformed my life and the life of others that each time I'm even more into this, more excited about this work and, and to see how it can transform the lives of others. So basically what the work is of Family Constellations is to heal the issues that we have in our lives that do not belong to us, but belongs to somebody else in the family system and mostly our ancestors. So unconsciously in our life, we make a connection with our ancestors, especially with the ones that have been excluded, rejected, that had traumas that they were not able to solve in their lives, that struggled. And by having these connections with them, we are doing the same thing as they did. We repeat the patterns. We have the same emotions. We have the same difficulties. We end up in similar situations as they did. And often we're not even able to realize that we're doing the same thing. And it's until we come to a session that we start exploring and it's like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that I'm doing exactly the same thing as my mom and my grandmother, even at the same age that they did it. And so many things are really connected that we're not aware of. So many things we're doing unconsciously to help our family system heal. So when we are able to heal, we're able to heal those connections that we have with them. And we're able to heal the next generation so that they're not able to do that. And in some aspects, the trauma from the past is so difficult, it's so dense, it's so complicated that when we do a family constellations, it's a little bit like opening the connections, you know, like getting a a magnifying glass and say, oh, 
So this is why I have this problem in my life because I'm doing it the same way as my great grandfather or because I'm carrying the emotions of my grandmother or this and that. And then we do the work of honoring and respecting everybody in the family system, giving them the place that they belong and honoring and respecting their experiences and also letting go of what is not our responsibility because we don't need to carry the guilt from a crime that happened in the past. We don't have to carry the sorrow for a loss. We don't need to do any of that. We unconsciously do it because we want to help heal the family system. From the moment of conception, we're so grateful for the life that we have mm. that we decide to heal and help any way we can, the family system, because we want to belong, because we want to say thank you. And we do this unconsciously. And this is how we end up in the mess that we are. <laughs> because, you know, I'm going to suffer like my mom, like my grandmother. And it's just carrying and making more suffering instead mm -hmm. of healing. If I have the strength and we do this every day, we do heal aspects that we have for our family system. But when we don't and we get stuck, we're just making it actually grow bigger and bigger because it's going to be more uh, becoming for more generations in the future as well. So here we're letting go of the things that are not ours and choose to be responsible for our ourselves, our lives and enjoy life to the fullest. Yes. And I love the family constellations work. And I think I came across your work at a similar time that I was doing my own training in the Sintara system, uh, energy healing modality, which I know that you have some experience in as well. And just what I find so powerful and, you know, in the psychotherapy world or in the psychology world, which is really interesting, and you didn't share this piece, and I'm curious to hear a little bit more about this in a moment, but in the psychology world, they call it the intergenerational trauma. There's science now about epigenetics, and I find this to be incredibly fascinating. And then when you think about family constellations and these alliances that we make with family members that may have been excluded, and I would love to hear also a little bit more about what it means when a family member is excluded. Uh, and in one moment, we'll get there. But yeah, just this experience of how we really do carry the experiences. We try to keep things in balance. I really appreciate what you're saying about like how we're so grateful for the life that we're given, that we'll do whatever is necessary to try to keep things in our family system in balance. And I think that's really, really powerful. And now coming back to one of the questions that I was thinking of is in terms of the family constellations and who founded family constellations because originally uh from what i've learned from you is it was founded by someone who was in the psychology profession but now it blows my mind that most psychology professionals and therapy professionals know nothing about the family constellations mode of you know healing modality so can you give us a little bit of background about the person who developed family constellations work and a little bit just more history before we go into what it means to be excluded yeah definitely so the person that has developed the family constellations the most and there's a lot of people involved but the one that we will call more like the the father of the family constellations is bert hellinger so and he just passed recently i think one or two years ago mm -hmm. so he was a priest and he went to uh, south africa uh, in this way of being a priest and trying to bring people to the religion. Uh, and he worked a lot with the Zulu community. 
And I heard once uh, somebody saying that um, he had learned more from the Zulu than what he was able to teach them. <laughs> and, he had, and he learned more a lot about the systems. And he was noticing that they were doing a lot better than the way that uh, he knew people were doing in, in other uh, parts in the world. So then he went back to Germany and he decided to uh, stop being a priest. And he actually studied to become a psychoanalyst and started working with families. And with his knowledge that he had, that he had learned, with all his knowledge that he was learning from the studies that he had, he started working with families. And this is when he realized that there were some things that the families were carrying from previous generations. He had learned from the Sulu, the part of the community, the systems, that we all belong in systems and that everybody belongs. So with this knowledge and what he had learned from, the, from being a psychoanalyst, he started like asking the questions, finding the connections and looking at the way that people would change when suddenly they would bring in their grandfather that was killed in a tragic accident. And then and suddenly things would start to shift, it will start to move, will start to, to start working in different ways. And then so he started exploring more and he started then naming things. And he said that we all belong in systems and these systems have cer certain orders that need to be maintained. And when they don't, the system does, does something to bring balance. And the objective is for the system to, to survive. So one of the orders that he identified is the order of belonging that everybody belongs in the family system. He also talked, uh, and I'm going to talk more about the order of belonging because that's where the exclusion part actually comes. But let me talk about the other orders first in a very uh, summarized way. The other order is the order of the hierarchy, which means that everybody has a place in the family system according to when they came in the family system and a role with it in the sense that we are our children's parents, our partner's partner, our parents' children. And that sounds very logic. But how many times can you think about relationships when we are not in order, when we are like our parents' parents telling them what to do, or in as a partner, we sometimes are like a mother to our partner or like a daughter to our partner, and, and we see that there's no order there, that we're not in our place. And the other order of love that he mentioned is the order of giving and receiving, that there has to always to be a balance between the giving and receiving. So I'm going to go back to the first one. So everybody belongs in the family system. Everybody has a place in the family system. And this goes back to when we were living in caves in the clan. Exclusion meant death. You know, we needed to belong to survive. And when we're born, we need to belong to survive. I mean, we cannot survive on our own. So belonging for us means survival. It's the most important aspect. If we don't belong, we're not going to be able to survive on our own. So, and this is completely deep down inside of us, in our roots, in our DNA, in our, in our connection to be able to survive. So when someone is excluded from the family system, the family is starting like to looking for a way to maintain the balance. And then a new member in the family system, like I mentioned, when we're born, we want to help the family system, is going to notice this exclusion and makes a connection with the one that's excluded and starts having similar challenges, similar difficulties, and especially the reasons why this person was excluded. So I like to give this example because it's easier to understand, but here it doesn't mean that it, it's always this way. I mean, each person is different, each family system, each situation. But let's say that my uncle is excluded from the family system but he, because he was an alcoholic, he stole all the money of the family, and nobody wants to talk about it. And I don't know, I mean, 
I have a lot of examples of families that I sometimes uh, would say, you know, didn't you have like a uncle or like a brother or like a someone? And everybody would be like, shh, shh, don't say anything. Don't mention his name. And it's like taboo. Like you cannot say the name because you can feel the detention. So that's because that person has been excluded from the family system. So the moment that we're born, we make this connection. So let's say that I have this energetic connection um, or bond with my uncle. So I'm going to start having problems with addictions, with uh, difficulties in relationships with money problems and specifically the reasons why he was excluded and in a way I'm kind of saying you know somebody with this characteristics was excluded and just like I belong this person also belongs in the family system and the thing is that I'm stuck and I have an addiction no matter how many things I try to do I go back and this is so hard because unconsciously I want to include my uncle that has been excluded so what we're doing in the family constellations is actually realizing that we have this bond and saying, I'm going to include you now in my heart. You belong no matter what you did. I understand that you also had entanglements from the family system that made you follow this path, that you were trying the best that you could, that you had traumas, that the information that you got, that your childhood, the examples that you got made you be the way you are. And each person is still responsible for what they did, but it doesn't mean that he's not part of the family. So I'm going to include him in my heart, in the family system. So I don't have to do it unconsciously anymore, following the patterns. And because I don't need to have that connection anymore, the things that I do to heal my addictions, my problems with money are going to start changing, are going to start working because I don't have to unconsciously be following my uncle anymore because I already have him in my heart. Mm -hmm. So that's an extreme way of exclusion. However, we... (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. We're in this... Or we criticize somebody else. So that's very important because we need to remember that When we are judging others or criticizing others, we're making an exclusion. We're making what our ancestors did. And we need to start doing the opposite and accept everybody the way that they are, understanding that they're doing the best that they could, leaving the responsibility with with each person. It doesn't mean that we agree with what they're doing, but we need to uh, give them their place, honor and respect them and, and let go of this judgment and criticism because we're still continue to make exclusions. We're not accepting people as they are. And this is part of the healing work that we do in the family constellations is the first principle of the orders of love that Bert Hellinger mentions, the belonging, everybody belongs. And this is everybody belongs exactly as they are. So letting go of judgment and criticism is going to help us give the place to everyone and not only to everybody in their family system, but to everybody that we relate with. Because in the way that we're able to accept everybody in our lives, letting go of judgment and criticism, we're doing what our ancestors were not able to do. So we heal ourselves and we heal those connections that we have with the past. So Lisa, what, as I'm hearing you speak, what I'm seeing in my mind is thinking back to elementary school where we actually draw out our family trees, right? Where there's this cartoon tree or this picture of a tree that we've drawn out. And when we exclude a family member, it's almost like a branch has been broken and whoever the family member is that's created an unconscious alliance to that person is like, trying to hold that branch back together to the tree so that the tree can stay standing and upright. Like that's the image that I'm having as I hear you speak about the order of hierarchy and of love and belonging. And Mm -hmm. that's just a very powerful image of how we really do everything that we can on an unconscious level to keep that tree together so it doesn't fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. 
Yeah. And speaking about this theme of judgment and criticism, you know, it makes me think of what we worked on that led me most recently to say, Lisa, we have to come on the podcast. We have to have a conversation about what we're going to dive into right now, especially because we are approaching an election. At the time this podcast is released, we're going to probably just be days away from the 2020 election that we know is a very, very, um, it's going to be very historic and pivotal and leading up to it has been causing a lot of separation, a lot of divisiveness, a lot of divides, a lot of polarities. And I'll just share that in my um, most recent work with Lisa, I was addressing how I personally have been impacted by supremacy culture and colonization and oppression and how that is now starting to really come out and shape my work and how I've been sharing on the podcast about these themes and how it really feels like this is one of the missing pieces uh, of, of the work that I have been doing here. And Lisa said something so amazing to me, which was that the colonizers need healing just as much as the colonized person does. And so Lisa, can you share a little bit more about that? And you're welcome to speak about it in the context of our session. I'm totally open to that. Okay, perfect. So I'm actually going to explain it like in a a broader way and including different themes and also including the part of the family system. So there's this dynamic that we often see in the family system that is the victim and the perpetrator. And that falls into the polarities. And first, we need to understand that it's natural to have polarities. That's part of our way of surviving. You know, again, going back to when we're living in a clan, it's important for us to know that we're safe in the clan and somebody from the outside might be dangerous. So we cannot say that this is not going to happen because it's going to happen naturally. For us to have a rejection to the part to something that we don't know, something that is unknown or different to us or to what we know. So once we know that that's normal for it to arise and is part of what helped us survive for many, many years, we can shift it and start deciding, yeah, but that's not necessarily a danger for me. So, so I just wanted to say that that is natural to have uh, normal exclusions of others because that's part of what has protected us in the past. But now we're in a moment in time that we can look at that from a different point of view and change our view and, and do things differently and realize that a lot of things is not, are not a danger to us and we start doing things differently and seeing things differently. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the podcast. If you're enjoying what you're hearing and you'd like to contribute to the sustainability and accessibility of the podcast, then please find your way over to the show notes where you'll find several different ways that you can contribute and support the podcast and also an invitation on how you can join the Fierce Authenticity community. And now going back to the family system and to this dynamic of victim and perpetrator, because that goes exactly to the part of the polarization. We are 
the way that we're structured is to look at things at extremes. So the victim and the, and the perpetrator, uh, the good and the bad, or the good and the evil, the black and the white, the yes and the no. Life is so complex that it's more easy to see things on extremes, to be able to understand them and make decisions. But we know that this is not true. There's so many different colors between in the world, basically. But the natural part is to look at the extremes. And then that's where the polarization comes. That is when we start the bad and the good and the victim and the perpetrator, you know, the colonizer and the colonizees and the, the ones that suffered and the ones that made the others suffer. And we enter this victim and perpetrator dynamic. So let's say that there has been a crime in the past in my family. The situation with us is that we can easily have information, attachments, direct entanglements. This is what we call those energy, energy and energetic bonds that we have with our ancestors with either the victim or the perpetrator and sometimes even both. And when we have an entanglement with them, we can do it in two different ways. So when we have an entanglement with the perpetrator, we can carry the same energy, like the energy of wanting to hurt others. Or we can carry the guilt and want to atone and suffer like the victim or pay for like, you know, pay for the hurt that the perpetrator did. And at the same time, we can have an entanglement with the victim of the crime. And we can be suffering like the victim. And at the same time, we could have the vengeance energy of the victim. We can have one side or the other. And this is very important to recognize because when we're being hurt, we start getting like this suit of I'm a victim. I'm the good one and the other one is the bad one. And we get into this extreme, this way of duality. And then we don't realize that we also have this energy that we want to hurt the one that hurt us. We want to attack back. We want to defend ourselves, but we want to hurt them. And sometimes we even want to do worse things that they did to us. And this is something that we don't recognize, that we also have that energy. And sometimes we do hurt others and we don't want to be responsible for that part because, of course, it's hard to be responsible for when we have hurt other people. It's easier to think that we, we didn't. <laughs> but this is so important and it's, this is actually part of the key of the healing. So, for example, when there's um, abuse in a relationship, it's important to know that in one way or another, both people have hurt each other and to take responsibility for the hurt that each of us ha has done in the relationship. So going back to this uh, idea of, of, of polarity, so we need to understand that there is no good side and bad side. First, each person in a situation, each dynamic is connected to the past of that person, of that family system, of what has happened in the past. And the person is like trapped in that energy, in that situation. It's just following the same dynamic. So, for example, when there has been racism in the past, on both sides. So it, it goes from generation to generation that one side is suffering and the other side is hurting and being racist against the others. And they're just like following the same energy generation from generation. So it's important for one side to realize that they're also having this assassin energy, like vengeance, even if they don't act in it, they need to recognize that the energy is there because that way they can look at the other person and tell them, I understand where this comes from. We are the same, but we're playing different parts of the story. But when we are able to say, we are the same, I understand that need of hurting somebody else. I'm able to see the other person as a person 
and not as evil, not as bad. I'm able to understand that the other person is doing the best that he or she can, considering the entanglements from the family system, the trauma, the energy dynamic, uh, whatever things that I even have no idea that that's uh, happening. But I know that that person is a person and I'm able to understand. It doesn't mean that I agree. It doesn't mean that the hurt is okay, but I'm able to understand. And I'm able to say, I'm not playing this game anymore. Mm. You know, I'm not going to be a victim anymore. But I honor and I respect you. I honor and respect everything that has happened in your family system that has brought you to this part, to this moment. And I know that you're not evil. I know that you're not bad. I just know that you don't have enough information. You don't have the ability to recognize that and to act on it in a different way. Because when we're starting to recognize those things, we're able to say, yes, I have this desire of wanting to hurt others, but I can choose not to do anything. I can choose to take myself out of the equation. I can choose to honor and respect everybody in that person's life, in their family system, everybody in my family system that has been a victim, that has been hurt, everybody in my family system that has hurt others. Mm. And I now choose to do things differently. I now choose to heal. I now choose not to hate. I now choose to stop judging and criticizing others. And I now choose to, to leave this situation, but with love, with honor and respect. Because now I'm respecting myself and this situation is not good to me. So I'm not going to be a victim anymore. I don't want to anymore. And this is not something that I want for my life. So I start making changes in my life, but with love, with respect, with honor, instead of hate, instead of becoming, again, uh, trapped in this dynamic of the duality, in the dynamic of the victim and the perpetrator, in the dynamic of wanting to hurt others and act on one way or another. You know, sometimes we hurt others very silently. So that it's not obvious, but the hurt is there. I choose not to do it. I recognize it and I understand it and I move myself out of it. And this is what comes together with the work that we did in our session when we were saying the part that both need the healing. And that's because in a situation when somebody hurts somebody else for whatever reason, it's important for both to heal, both to see each other as people, not as good and bad or evil, uh, but as people that that are connected with love, with something greater, with and whatever something greater means, being a source, a love, energy, God. But we're all connected to that. And when we're able to see that in each person, we step out of the duality. And for example, what you were saying of, of all the things that are going on, all the things that are happening right now, it's very easy to, to fall into the criticism and judgment. And then we fall into the duality, you know, this mm. person is a this and that and that other. And then, and, and of course I am the same, I'm the wonderful and I'm in this and, then, <laughs> and I do everything perfectly. <laughs> yes. I call it my holier than thou syndrome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, because we want, don't want to accept our part of the shadow mm. and it's a little bit of shadow work as well, you know, knowing that we also have that part, but it, it's completely necessary to be able to open, to look at it, to recognize it, to not add to it and buy it and, and to be able to heal, understand it, that the other people have it as well and that they are acting on it and that they're trapped by it in a way, but that doesn't make them bad, you know, and, and this is where the, the, the key comes, not to see others as bad, but that they're struggling with whatever kind of combinations of situations that, that they have in their lives, their ancestors, their traumas, their lack of this or the other. 
So I know that I've talked about different parts of the situation, but it's all connected to the same. It's all connected and it can have different names. Like, for example, in racism, it's one that's hurting and the other that receives the hurt. The same with the colonizers and the one in, with the ones that were hurting others. It happens in, in, in the wars as well. There's one that is hurting and the, and the other one that, that's been hurt. So we can see when there has somebody that has been hurt or a, or a, a situation of abuse or crime, there's always these two sides. So it, it, they just have different names according to what's going on in the world. And right now, well, there's going a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. So we just need to start recognizing it to be able to then decide how we're going to act with it instead of letting us just be carried away without even able to breathe in the river of life that we just get like flushed and are trying to survive. We just like stand on a rock and we mm. just see it all go by and we start then looking at the beauty looking at the things, how they flow, how they rearrange, how they align and how they change and how that whatever's happening is necessary for reasons that we may not even understand, but somehow it's necessary and it's becoming and transforming into a new way of balance. But we need to like get out of the river to be able to see it and to not get dragged of it. And this is when we do, when we make the decision to start looking at things differently, mm. and stop looking at things in the way of the extremes, in the way of, of the a duality. I love that last image that you just shared, Lisa, about being able to stand on the rock and really be an observer. In my language, you know, it would be to be an observer where then you can see the whole picture and you can see that river or the rapids, the flood, whatever you want to call it, you know, where you can see it and not have to be in it drowning as a part of it. Yeah, completely. And I think that we can recognize ourselves in many parts of our lives that we've been just drowning. <laughs> Absolutely, especially in this year of 2020 and how it's showing us not only as individuals where we've been drowning and is also showing us more experiences of where we're drowning, especially as women or femme-identified persons where a lot of the responsibilities in the home where everybody is now residing and working 24 7 you know like it's starting to show even more of those imbalances in everything and so we are definitely being overwhelmed by that river that flood and and I think it's a, a beautiful way of framing it and you know going back to something that you said Lisa you know the brown part of me was starting to feel a little bit like grr I don't like what I'm hearing here and so I'm going to bring that to our conversation because I imagine there might be some listeners that have had this experience as well of when you started describing the dynamic between oppressor and oppressed or victim and predator, there was a part of my brain that went to, oh, great. So again, the responsibility falls on us BIPOC individuals, which I know that you, Lisa, are in the category of a BIPOC individual. But there's this part of my brain that goes to, oh, great. The responsibility is going to fall on us one more time to be understanding. And to have to be the people that see like all of that. And so can you speak a little bit to that part of the 
me and that part of anyone else who might be listening who's feeling that way and also give a suggestion on both sides right because the work needs to happen from both sides the white identified persons and the BIPOC individuals you know when it comes to the racial trauma that we are healing through as a collective right now so can you speak a little bit to that please yeah so one thing that is important is that both sides have the responsibility to heal and we are all responsible for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's not that, oh, again, it is us that we need to do this. We always need to do this, but for ourselves, we're always responsible for ourselves. And we need to leave the responsibility to the others of the work that they need to do. But when we are not open to looking at our responsibility, then we're still going to be part of the story. Uh, being open to taking part of our responsibility and what we need to do is the part that we need to do to take ourselves out of the story. That makes so much more sense. Yeah. Yes, I feel parts of my body relaxing now. And especially when you said that we are always responsible for our part and a part of our responsibility for ourselves is letting others be responsible for their part. Exactly. And that when we do that, we pull ourselves out of the story. We put ourselves on that rock in that river that is coming to us at full force. Exactly. That makes so much sense. Oh, goodness. Thank you so much for that because <laughs> ooh, my parts were having a field day with that one. And I'm definitely feeling more into the truth of what you're sharing, you know, about personal responsibility. And I think that's where a lot of my work with fierce authenticity, you know, is all about, like, it's all about how we get right in our relationships with ourselves and a source of something greater than us, you know, Um, whether that be God, goddess, spirit, however, you know, nature, the universe, similar to how you described it. And, and so I really appreciate then bringing it back to that piece about personal responsibility and taking ownership of what is mine, which I teach my clients all the time. You know, you're only responsible for what is yours and letting other people be responsible for what's theirs. And this is going to be a totally like gross image, but I'm going to share it anyway. One of the ways that I speak about that personal responsibility with my clients, it's as though someone just threw up in the middle of the room And we are so used to always being the ones that come in and clean up the vomit. But there comes a point where we have to just see, oh, there's vomit in the middle of the room. Okay. Like, is it my responsibility to clean? No. But if I clean it, I take that dignity away from someone else to be responsible for what is theirs, you know? So it's a really gross example, but it's, it's one of the ways to help just really solidify the piece about personal responsibility, Yeah, which I think is also the beautiful part about the family constellations and all of the work that you do, because when we participate in family constellations work, we really are leaving other people to their responsibilities and what is theirs. I don't need to act like my mom in my marriage or in my life. I don't need to act like my grandmother. I don't need to act like, you know, an ancestor from eight generations ago. Like I don't need to act in those ways, yet I can honor and respect them for their experiences and what influenced them to lead them to act in that way. Yeah, exactly. I think think you said it beautifully. And I want to add, because 
it's sometimes somebody can fall into the idea that what we're saying that that you know like you were saying that we need to again take responsibility and it's not the somebody else's fault and uh and then it's okay what happened because it needed to happen and it has nothing to do with this we leave the responsibility of the hurt with the one that did the hurt that's their responsibility and they need to take and have the consequences of it and it is not okay we're not saying that it's okay it's never okay to hurt somebody else it's never okay to be racist it's never okay to be you know to tell a woman that she can't because she's a woman and what i mean it, or hurt a woman just because they think you know it's never okay never however we are not uh attacking back on wanting to hurt the other because that's when the when we react to this vengeance energy of wanting to hurt the other we recognize it and understand yeah you know we're both human being and we both have these ways of reacting and i'm not gonna accept this way anymore i'm not going to accept this treatment anymore and i'm going to do what's necessary to shift this to change it but not from the victim not from the hate but from the point of understanding that that person that is hurting me so much it's also a person you know it has a mother and a father and maybe a a, a husband a wife and children and in their whole life they have this all their side and maybe they're amazing people but they have this part that they are just not able to shift one way or another and when i'm able to honor this to see it and also to defend myself and stand for myself and not accept any more that way of treatment but again without connecting to the hate without connecting to the rejection without connecting with the evil that you're evil and I'm good and this is terrible no but doing it from the point of love and respect and then things start shifting yes and that's what i was feeling into as i was listening to that and thank you for clarifying and adding that additional piece of like really coming from the space of love when we get to that place of being able to take personal responsibility let someone else have responsibility for themselves pull ourselves out of the story and that's when we are no longer in the words of Terry Real offending from the victim position so i'm trained in relational life therapy and that's one of the phrases that terry real um the the person who developed that modality speaks about it as offending from the victim position and rather than coming from that place we or attacking from the victim position offending you know put in whatever word you want there but it's basically that that acting back the hurting back right from our place of being um disempowered and that when we are able to pull ourselves out of the story we've able you know it's with love and kindness and respect and dignity and from there the story dissolves almost right like we don't have to carry it anymore yeah that's how you put it beautifully i love it and even i even felt it it's true it's like yeah it dissolves it's not there anymore we're not part of it anymore Yes. It, it's you know we t- we took ourselves out. Yes, and that's the thing that I love about, you know, my bigger greater work of fierce authenticity is and a lot of the people that I am inviting on as guests onto the podcast is that we all recognize that the greater goal and purpose for all of us here is to reconnect with love for ourselves and for our fellows and our earth and every single being on this planet. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love mm. it. Mm. 
And thank you for all the work that you do because I think it's so important. <laughs> thank you, Lisa. And thank you for being a part of my support team that, you know, helps to keep me in the place where I can continue to show up more fully and do my work in this world. And I think that this is why it's important for even healers to have healers and people to come together and collaborate and be in community. And yeah, I think this is a beautiful place for us to wrap up. And Lisa, is there anything else you'd like to add as last thoughts to leave us with for today in this conversation? So the only thing that comes to my mind is that no matter what experience we're having, no matter what situation is going on, one part that will always empower us, that will connect us with the healing of us and our ancestors and whatever we're carrying, is the commitment to enjoy life. Mm. No matter what challenges we have, no matter what situation we have, no matter how complicated it is, there's always parts that we can enjoy. We can always connect to the sun, to the sky, to the flowers, to the birds, and and breathe in and exhale and say, ah, you know, thank you for all this that I do have in this moment. And whatever other things you have in your life, you always have some things that you're able to enjoy while having the challenges. That does not mean that we're going to reject the challenges, but we'll bring it all together to be able to stand with more strength to face our challenges. Mm -hmm. And even though we have those challenges, to still be able to enjoy life. Yes, that's beautiful. And I'm I'm so glad that you mentioned that because one of the questions that did escape me earlier was how in family constellations, our goal is movement towards life. So thank you for bringing that piece into our conversations as we wrap up and remember that in any given moment, we have an opportunity to choose life. Yeah, beautiful. I love it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Now, Lisa, where can our listeners learn more about you? Where can they connect with you? Please share more about where listeners can go. Yeah, perfect. So the best way is my, my website. That's called coachingandconstellations.com. And there I have all the information of how to reach me. I have a lot of videos that are very useful, links to my YouTube channel, to my Facebook page. I have um, a page with all the events. I have monthly events. Nowadays, everything via Zoom. <laughs> but everything is there. And my website, I have all together. So that's the best way. Yeah. And I will attest, Lisa's website is amazing. I am constantly referring clients over to Lisa's website to learn more about Family Constellations. And there's such a wealth of resources there. Her videos are bite-sized, really to the point, and are just very powerful transmissions of healing and information, just like I felt just like I feel our conversation today was. So Lisa, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and bringing your healing and your medicine to our community. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure to be here. Mm, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. I want to give credit where credit is due and acknowledge all of the amazing humans who help make this podcast possible, starting with our main cover photography, which is by Jillian at Epoxy Studios. Cover design, transcripts, blog posts, and all of the pretty IG quote graphics you see are done by my assistant, Ana Olvina. 
custom music and editing is done by my editor, Diego Velasquez. And though this isn't a human, I do want to acknowledge that all messages that you hear on the podcast are channeled through the divine wisdom that flows through me. If you're enjoying what you're hearing and you want to get in on ways to support the podcast and get in on community, there's many ways to do so. Starting with rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app. Share the podcast with everyone you know, including screenshotting it and sharing it on IG. And when you do that, please be sure to tag me at Sharani M. Pathak. If you have the financial means to do so, then please head on over to coffee.com slash Sharani, that's ko-fi.com slash Sharani, where you can make a one-time or monthly contribution starting at just $5. It takes upwards of $300 a month to support my podcast team. And by making a financial contribution, you're contributing to the podcast and you're supporting all of us and the labor that we are doing to make this podcast possible for you. And lastly, if you want in on the Fierce Authenticity email community where I share behind the scenes info, stories I don't share anywhere else, and opportunities to get first dibs on anything I'm offering, then head on over to www.fierceauthenticity.com slash newsletter to join the community. As a welcome gift, you'll receive an audio training I've recorded just for you on what fierce authenticity is and why it matters at this revolutionary time on our planet. Until we meet again, take really good care.